This episode is sponsored by Splendor in the Grass. You're listening to The Plug with Neil Griffiths. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of The Plug Podcast with me, Neil Griffiths. Thanks for joining me again on this episode. As always, if you haven't already, check us out on Instagram and TikTok at theplug.podcast or watch previous episodes of The Plug Podcast on YouTube at theplug.podcast. Last week, I was joined by one of the legends of the pop-punk emo scene in Burt McCracken of The Used. This week, we're jumping back to my homeland of Australia and I'm joined by Ben Stewart, the frontman of Slowly Slowly. Ben was kind enough to come on the podcast on a weekend of all times, bless that man. They have just wrapped up a huge Australian tour, their biggest to date, on the back of their 2022 released album, Daisy Chain. The band will be heading out again through Australia, regional Australia this time, with Stan Atlantic through September and October. For tickets, head to destroyalllines.com. You'll hear at the top of this episode, Ben and I last sat down for the podcast in February 2020, I think a few days before the release of their last album, Race Car Blues. It's a funny little launch pad we use from that interview to this one. So much has happened, obviously, in the world and with this band. Daisy Chain was a massive critical and commercial success, landed at number five on the Aria Albums chart, their biggest ranking to date. We spoke a lot about the reception to the album now that it's been out for some time. We spoke a lot about what the band are doing right now and what's coming up, where they're going with their sound and where they're going literally around the world. And as a Blink-182 fan, we also spoke about their brilliant cover of I Miss You that was on Triple J Like A Version. If you haven't seen it already, go to YouTube right now. Actually, don't do it right now. Do it after you listen to the podcast. Let's be fair. It's always so much fun sitting down with Ben. This one was no different. I'm so excited to release this episode. Here is Ben Stewart on The Plug Podcast. All right, welcoming back to the podcast, my dear friend, Ben Stewart, front man of Slowly Slowly. Ben, thanks for coming back on, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I, I want to apologize because right before you were about to tell me this really good story and I was like, please shut your mouth because the podcast is about to start and I didn't want to ruin it. <laughs> banter. Um, first off, I, I said this right before we started recording. Thank you for doing this. I know it's like a Saturday morning. It's technically not a work day for you. I'm in New York right now, so it's like Friday night. So it's it's fine, oh, true. but for you, not so much. So thanks for um, thanks for spending your weekend with Neil. Oh, my absolute pleasure. There's uh no no um no off days. You know how it is with music. So yeah, it's totally. fine. All right, now we can resume this story. So um the listeners of the of the old podcast I did, um, you and I last sat down together February 2020. It probably would have been maybe a week. Actually, it might have actually been like the day before um Race Car Blues came out. And we were, in, yeah. we were, we did it in an office space, which was already very uncomfortable because it's like an active office. So we're doing a podcast where the whole point is to fucking talk, but we had to be careful <laughs> not to be too loud because there are people out there making work calls. So, you know, I'm moving up in the world. I'm in New York now. I can talk as loud as I want, Ben. You have no idea. So Hell yeah. things are going great for me, man. No, but before, again, let, let's get to that story. So you said you actually listened back to it. And for people obviously who haven't, connected the dots here february 2020 would have been a solid four weeks before the world just went to shit what do you remember about that conversation 
I, I remember listening back to it and it was uh, like deep in the depths of lockdowns and, mm-hmm. you know, this is probably years after it and um, when we were still locked down here in Melbourne and just just the naivety and like the – I forgot about all like the plans and the ambition behind that <laughs> race that race car record and it just had um, – it, it was – it was beautiful and a little sad because I, I realized how deflated I'd become over that that those few years oh. and just like how dejected I was in terms of, you know, the goals for the future or whatever. Like it was just, you know, um, but you know there was there's there is some little bits of beauty in that. I was like, oh. Look how excited I was! Look how young and fresh faced I was. <laughs> it's it's weird because like I I've, I've listened to that as well in a couple of interviews, particularly around that time, say between like the February 2020 and like late April. I remember I had like Maddie Healy on from 1975. They were promoting their second last album, and he was like he was in the studio when we did the podcast. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like the album's done. He's like, what the fuck else am I going to do? Like I'm doing another one. I've got nothing else. Yeah. And I remember (laughs) I had Mel C from Spice Girls. She was in Australia. And that was like the week before lockdowns happened. And I remember like, I feel like a dick now, but like we were both kind of laughing about it. Like how weird is this, this thing where like, what are they going to like not let us out of the country? Ha ha ha. And then they did. So it's like, it's fucking wild to think that actually happened. Yeah, those, those interviews now, in hindsight, it's like it's, it's just it's surreal to listen back to and and your to your point, like we just had no idea. Yeah, it's like a it was just the beautiful little calm before the storm where um, yeah, it was yeah things changed so rapidly. Mm. Anyway, but dude, I mean, <laughs> silver lining. This latest album, like we're talking, like it's just come out. It's just kind of nice to have the conversation usually when you do the the press cycle you're having to promote this album that's about to come out obviously daisy chain came out in november last year you guys just finished a massive tour of australia as of what two weeks ago um obviously mm-hmm. i couldn't get there because i'm in new york right now i i did have some friends that went and it looked insane how was the run man oh it was nuts like uh yeah we it, it was it was crazy. It was like easily the biggest rooms mm. that we've played here. And um, we upped the the ante on all of our production. And um, yeah, it was it, like, honestly, just a dream run. We we did have, in terms of being a dream run, we did have turnover, um, uh, a band from the States, like coming over to support for the East Coast shows, which are all stacked in a row, like um it was uh, Brisbane, no, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. And um, they had to pull out like a week before the shows because yeah. um, uh, they had a car broken into and a bunch of passports nicked and stuff. So Jesus. we, uh, it really like pulled the rug under us for the shows. But so we, we kind of scrambled, tried to pull together maybe like a, a lineup with some friends and but no one was available. And, and so, we're sort of like brainstorming on a plane back from either Adelaide or Perth because those shows were the week prior. And um, I remember uh, one of our crew members was just like, what about if you just played an extended set and did like all 
old songs that you know you'd never play anymore and mm. it, and then i was like you know what maybe the best support replacement we can <laughs> find is actually ourselves here and um so yeah we braced for impact thinking that maybe there was going to be you know um uh, uh you know a, a bunch of refunds or something you know because it was like so close out and we didn't know how much of the tickets were attributed to turnovers the band and sure. um and yeah we had i think three across the east coast three refunds so it was like shit everyone just hooked in and just got around this like mammoth set and how long um, was the set what what was it and then what did it be once turnover were out it would have probably been like 120 and we played for two hours over shit. two hours each night so we um and because we had a little bit more like um like a cash to play with for it because it was like all of a sudden our main support was off the table we like we just poured that money back in production wise so we like for the first time we kind of had a crazy stage set up with like yeah these these white stairs and um like we we did a an acoustic b stage with like a piano player and um we pulled some strings with some guests like hannah from middle kids and um you know, we, we pulled Tom from series out of the woodwork for the Melbourne show. And there was like, all of a sudden we like really focused on stepping up the show cause we were so worried. And then it kind of like felt kind of natural. And now it's like, I don't know if we can go back. It was, it was a real blessing in disguise, maybe like, mm. um, kind of happy how it turned out, but Anyway, that was the roller coaster of the DC tour. Is that the, is that the way forward now? Do you think like you're going to keep the sets the way they are, or you have to scale back a little bit? I think we'll scale back um, set length wise. Just sure. We 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 had already committed to playing Daisy Chain in full across that tour, so it was kind of that's what kind of hamstrung us, and we mm. wanted to like we really wanted to play all of the deep cuts because one thing we took away from the race car covid fiasco was um because we moved on in our discography quite quickly um those b-sides and deep cuts from the records never because the only time they really get a chance to be played is on the album tour right like Mm. and when you skip an album cycle and you have all of a sudden you're touring two new albums like weakest link must go you know so they don't get the (laughs) time so we were like you know what for our new record we're gonna play every song um and sort of uh, maybe reinstill that old culture of like if you, you know, if you go see um, a band on that album cycle, you're gonna you're gonna see those songs that you wouldn't usually see, and so it's like, yeah. Anyway, that was the thinking. Yeah, no, and I was gonna ask you as well because um, obviously I, I have a lot of newer acts or emerging acts and i have a lot of established acts on this podcast and it's always cool to hear their perspective about what happened in those last few years say a band like the 1975 a a pandemic isn't necessarily going to like stunt their growth if you know what i mean like they've already hit the big time slowly slowly where you guys are at pre-pandemic and i've always said this and i still maintain it you guys are carrying the torch for that scene and have been for a few years now and right before um, that last album came out. I was like, these guys are about to blow up in such a big way. And then the pandemic happens and you're like, fuck. But then with this <laughs> with this last album, like yeah. and critically as well, like if we're going to be giant douchebags about it, like number five on the ARIA charts, highest charting that we've ever had. Like, was there a fear after the that last album where you were kind of like, 
all the momentum we've had, all the progress we've made is going to go down the toilet now because we can't keep moving. Yeah, there was, there was, of course, those, those little, those little thoughts tapping on my shoulder, but I think, I don't know, like everybody's, um, I don't know, anxiety or whatever around it all, like probably presented in different ways. And, uh, my way was just to work tirelessly at new material and focus on the future. And that's probably what kept me sane throughout the period. So I, and it's kind of like the nature of like a lot of artists. I, I tend to identify with that. As soon as something's done, you're worrying about the next thing, you know? Mm. Um, and so because I was living in the future, <laughs> you know, as such, like it was like, I didn't let it get to me a whole lot. Um, the kind of what could have been. And I think cause everyone, cause everyone got fucked over. It was like, we're all in the same boat, you know? Totally. So, so there was some sort of strange camaraderie in that where it was like, the world stopped together. So um, I didn't get too caught up in the, what could have been. Um, I don't know. I it, Looking back, like, I don't know whether your brain does this, like, uh, you know, as a coping mechanism or whatever, but I, I kind of feel like it, it needed to happen for our growth or whatever to pivot and change our sound and all of that time of introspection kind of like, you know, it, it was not for nothing. And, mm. it, and, it, and if anything, it maybe, you know, I talked to, you know, even the other day I was like catching up with a friend who's banned tours like tirelessly. They lived overseas for a while and really given it like a proper swing and they've lost, they've lost, you know, like four band members over the last, you know, 12 months. Mm. Um, relationships are falling apart, ex band members, you know, suing for, you know, it's like, and I sometimes think maybe the longevity of our band and like the trajectory of the career is because we've almost been able to like foster this morale within our band because we haven't had like any great successes, you know, and maybe that's going to be the key to us like being, because all I want is to be like a long-term career band. I don't want any like, a flash you know of course you want success but it's like but what, what, what do you cost? what do you what yeah. do you define that success as because again i just speak as someone who's kind of been following you guys for really from the beginning like splendor was a big step up and then it's yeah. depressing to say out loud that the last time i saw you guys live would have been good things 2019 yeah and i remember yeah. your set had just started and i was walking over and i was like holy fuck like that i forget what stage it was but it was that was the biggest set I've ever seen you play. And then again, this last tour, I haven't, I didn't get to go to it, but from the footage I saw, these rooms are all packed out. And I suppose that's why I asked you that last question of like, was there a fear beforehand? Because coming out the other side of it, it doesn't seem to have affected your, your rise at all. These rooms are sold out. The music is great. I don't think you've lost a beat. Thank you. That's, that's really lovely of you to, to say. I think, I can only attribute it to like, I, I don't know that we have like a great band dynamic. Like we're just, mm. uh, it's the friendships within the band and like the support they give me as a songwriter to like push myself and everyone in the band. Like I, I'll write the songs, but they're like got the best bullshit meters, you know? So like 
I think it's just it always leads back to the songs and your friendships within the band. And that's as long as they as long as that honesty with yourself and the other members doesn't erode, like I think you'll just be you'll be good. You'll be putting out work that that is, you know, honest. People can smell a rat. Mm. People can smell a rat when you go for a swing like you're trying to just become popular or jump on a bandwagon. I mean, it's impossible to jump on a bandwagon anyway because by the the nature of music and how long it takes to put something out, by the time it comes out, it's old news because mm. the pipeline is so long. So, like, we've just been – I've just been, like, really the, – the, the number one priority for me is, like, approaching things like a curious kid or something, yeah. you know, just – and just like leaning into that. And um, I don't know, I think good ripples just seem to come out from that. So like, yeah, um, there's no, there's been no business or yeah. Like that. I'm really glad that's how it seems from the outside looking in. Like that's, that's, that makes me feel awesome because like, it's, it's nice. It, it is nice when you sort of validate it in that way, but you know, it's a, it's still the same old shambles on the inside. <laughs> well, I mean, you never want to, you never want to tell yourself once I get this, everything will be great or we've done it right. Because then you might get complacent, whatever it may be. But is there a, I guess, a short term goal for you where what you said before is like what you don't, you're defining success as, because like I'll, two examples. And I know you can relate cause you're fans of this band one blink 182 um tom DeLong famously said like their goal was to sell out like this 300 person venue in their hometown that was it i had bert from yeah. the used on last week he said all he wanted to do was play warp tour didn't matter if it was headline or the first band on that's it obviously they both kick <laughs> past those goals what is it for you right now if uh, if we can get this thing then i'll at least get off my own back and say you know what slowly slowly you're doing well um, like a big part because when the rug got pulled in 2019, a big part of that loss was around, we were about to take a few steps overseas. And so it'd be nice oh. to have like another market outside Australia that was like consuming our music with the same ferocious intensity, mm. you know, like it's, it's like, we have like a beautiful loyalty here with Australian fans that maybe isn't mirrored overseas yet. And like that, that is like, that's in the crosshairs. But as I said, like I have such a, 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 I have such a double-edged sword with it all because like, I think sometimes like maybe that's why we've been able to continue so long and been, and put out the music we have and stuff is because we haven't, because we haven't toured ourselves into the ground with overseas touring or like lost our way essentially mm. like we've been i've been able to like we're in we've been we've stayed in australia surrounded by like an amazing network of friends and family and and things haven't eroded um you know so it's like i don't know but that's that that is like definitely something for us that's like hanging there that's like just out of reach that we're gonna like swipe at over the next few years like and try and get a, a few runs on the board um yeah, I guess that, I mean, it's, it's funny. Like I talk to the fellas in the band and like my friends about this all the time, the way the horizon of success jumps forward every time that you get to it. It's mm. that rate. It's the pot of gold, you know, you just like can't get to it. It's terrifying. But like it is. Yeah. yeah. It I, is, I know, I know, I'm, I know I'm name dropping again, but um, I had Rain Wilson on 
couple of months ago, Rain Wilson, Dwight Schrute from The Office. Of, of course, yeah, yeah. He's and, in he, the book. And, and he, yeah, yeah and, and he was like, and he's, he said this for a couple of years now, like he's never been more miserable and depressed than when he was in The Office. Not because of, of the show, but because as a working actor, you have this belief that once I get rich and once I get famous and once I'm on a big hit TV show, everything will make sense. And he got it and the exact opposite happened. So it's it's a it's it's a borderline stupid game to play where you think if I get this everything's going to make sense. So in your case, you know we win a, a fucking Grammy, then the band's made yeah. it. We're 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 in the history books. It's that's not what you want to do. You you do as to your point, like like you did during COVID. You want to keep working. You want to keep hustling. Yeah, I mean it's that I've read enough like. American pop psychology and self-help and stuff to know. <laughs> I think that it's like, uh, you know, it's the journey, baby. You know, it's, it's always about that. And it's so like finding that, you know, that, that torture that you are comfortable with, you know, finding the, the, the right amount of resistance is like key to happiness. Not really, not the destination, not the, um, not the, there's no, and, and and the thing with with shows is like they're all incredible. Like you know, I, we get, we often get asked whenever we do like an Instagram Q and A or something, or you know, in podcasts and interviews, people say, like, "What's the the favorite show you've ever played?" And it's I'm like, "I'm not going to ask that. I promise." That's good. That's fine. But I just <laughs> for, for me, like I just cannot. I could like I cannot. They all have different attributes. Why you like them, and um, sometimes you like a show because it was hard. It was a struggle. You know, mm-hmm. to get people across the line and get them up and about or you know uh there's so many variables so and and the bigger the shows get they are somewhat similar to experiences you've had in the past like you know it's always building on this you know a feeling that you've had whereas I'm very obsessed at the moment with like new experiences like things I've never felt before and Mm. uh so maybe that will be a measurement of success with the band. I'd like to love to do the overseas thing, love to do some van, some like, you know, sleeping on the bus touring and things like that. I, you know, I want to do some solo acoustic stuff because it's just terrifying. So like, yeah. you know, um, I don't know, I'm waffling now. It's back and it's the most wonderful time of the year. No, I'm not talking about Christmas. Old Saint Nick wishes he could give you a gift like this. I am talking about the return of Splendor in the Grass. Splendor in the Grass Music and Arts Festival is back and returns at North Byron Parklands on the 21st, 22nd and 23rd of July. Armed with another stacked lineup including Lizzo, Flume, Mumford and Sons, Louis Capaldi, Yeah Yeah Yeahs, Hilltop Hoods, Jay Balvin, Sam Fender, Idols and so many more... This is a festival you do not want to miss. You can get your tickets right now at SplendorInTheGrass.com. I'll see you at Splendor in the Grass 2023. Have you guys toured overseas at all yet? No, it's never been wow. overseas. That yeah. seems so crazy to me. Well, yeah, I think we just haven't had the uh, the team over there. Like we've never, right. we've been very domestically focused. Um, we, we didn't... Uh, more to what you were saying before about like those big bands like the used or blink like being so happy with selling out a 300 cap room that was us like we were like the concept of overseas was like ridiculous you know so 
um, selling out, yeah, like uh, the corner here in Melbourne or the forum, that was like unfathomable. So mm. like the fact that that stuff is happening and putting well, on our Melbourne, own best. The, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but the Melbourne shows no, alone, no. like you sold, what was it, three and a half thousand tickets, right? Yeah, it's it's berserk. Like it's it's ac- actually mind-boggling. So like um, that, yeah, I think, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's fucking, I don't know. I still, I feel like a, I feel like an idiot who's been like, just dropped into this scenario. I'm trying to like make sense of things. No, dude, well, I mean, again, again, like I said, I've been a fan of yours for a while and and some of my friends who are also fans, we come from that world, the the emo, pop punk, alt rock phase, whatever you want to call it. I'm wearing a bling shirt now for fuck's sake. Like you slowly, slowly are that band for Australia right now. I'm not saying like you're the good Charlotte because you're not, but I just mean like if you were ever to have like bring those early 2000s, mid 2000s, that scene to now, which by the way, obviously is having the resurgence of a fucking lifetime. Slowly, slowly are that band. Like if anyone oh, says, you, do you know, any, any good new bands, like sure. I can listen to the used, I can listen to the starting line and blink and all that. Is there anything new? Slowly, slowly is that band and like convenient segue that, like a version you did of Blinks, I miss you. Holy shit. Like that should be, that should be like, you should be setting that to people over here. And like, I'm in New York. So I can tell you with authority, like that scene, I know that scene's massive in Australia again. It's, it's huge over here. Like you got to get to the U S is where I'm going with (laughs) this whole fucking rant. Yeah. We've got, we, at the end of last year, like sort of as Daisy Chain was coming out, mm. um, we had reached like a lot of the end of a lot of contracts within our team. And so um, this year, a big part of it has been like sort of rebuilding the team and a big focus is uh, building a, a global team that's really focused on like bringing us elsewhere. So like um, it, it, our new manager, Dave, has, has been uh pretty instrumental with connecting some of the dots i'm heading over to the states in august for three weeks for some writing nice. um nashville and there's uh no heading to la and okay. then uh i actually might be spending a bit of time in new york so from there we might have to get a coffee i think yeah for sure it's it's nowhere near good as australian coffee i'm, I'm telling you right now <laughs> it's actually pretty terrible mind. and also like i'm from sydney and i'm like our coffee's great like melbourne people say sydney coffee shit you might you might never drink coffee again here. So uh, you got to find fast. the right place. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, a few, there's a lot of irons in the fire at the moment. Um, cool. And it's funny you talk about that early 2000s stuff because we've, we've got a... We've, I wish I could tell you more, but we've got this fucking sick little thing in the it works at the moment that's like really exciting for that. Yeah, I'm going to ask yeah. you as soon as we stop recording. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. But the... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, next next year is, yeah, next year will be all, I don't know, everyone on deck or whatever. What's the saying? It'll be all it'll hands be, on deck. All hands on deck. It'll be <laughs> it'll be a big vibe. We've spent I've spent a this year just like sort of building the arsenal, whether that's like the team and all of the. Um, I hate to fucking use the word content, but like you know what I mean. Like we've just, mm. I've been searching deeply about like what the next step for our sound and the creative, I guess, around slowly, yeah. slowly, because that, that's what gets me really excited. Like yeah. that's, 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 that's what it all hinges off. Like any musician will tell you. I hate asking this question because it's just the worst 
intern music journalist question ever, but I'm just curious because slowly, slowly have just done so many different iterations and, you know, you could, you could write a song that sounds like Blink and you, you've written something that sounds so much deeper and new. If you were to sell slowly, slowly to someone now, what would you say? Like, if you like this band, you'll like what we're doing. Can you relate that yet? I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm not quite sure. Like, because neither can I. Like, the reason I ask is because, like, when yeah. I talk to people, I'm like, yeah, if you like this band, but if you like this band, like, if we're staying in this emo, pop punk, alt rock world, like, songwriting like Jimmy Eat World, but you can do fast songs like Blink, the lyrics are like just from that scene, like, so deep, so personal, but it is hard to narrow down. You know what I mean? Like you can't just say, oh, they're, they're a pop punk band. They sound like that. They're a rock band. They sound like that. I can't do it with you guys, which is a good thing. Well, we tried. That is something that has been at like the forefront of all of my writing for, for years now. I think it was, you know, sort of after race car, we, we went for that. I think like I wanted to really pay homage to the music I grew up with. So a lot of it's in um, the vein of like, you'd say like Jimmy Eat World and stuff. And then, and then, you know, I just I got a bit older and uglier and just wanted to like try some new stuff. And so it's like the, for me, our band living in a space that's, um, you know, amongst what I would say, like are the industry leaders in like alternative pop music. So, you know, you're like Paramore, 1975, yeah. Biffy Clyro, um, Blink, um, you know, these you know turnstile like these bands aren't easily pigeonholed and no. they and and they've created their own universes for whereas their songwriting lives and that's what i want for our band i remember having like meetings early on with slowly with you know industry people who you know were giving advice or wanted to be involved and it's um i remember we had like you know acoustic songs like New York, Paris, which, you know, has string arrangements and there's sort of these, like, it was a long four minute creeper of a song. And then uh, none of our songs had choruses, but some of the songs were heavy and there's all this, you know, screaming on some of the songs. And, and they, they, they said, you know, what sort of band do you want to be? Like, you really have to decide guys, like, do you want to be, <laughs> do you want to be this acoustic Vance joy kind of thing? Like, like bright eyes, or do you want to be, um, do you want to be a heavy rock band? Like, do you want Jimmy Eat World stuff? Like, you've got to decide now because it's confusing for people, you know? And I was like, mm. in my head, it was always like, no, it's not. Like, they're my <laughs> songs. I like, I'm a very eclectic and diverse person like everybody else. And so I should be able to like, kind of, uh, I should be able to echo that in the spectrum of our music, both sonically and in songwriting and, mm. and all of it. So to hear that we're, not easily pigeonholed is like a huge feather for my cap. So that's, that's lovely of you to say. With And we can edit this out if you don't want to answer the question, but have you had meetings with major labels in Australia? Like those exact conversations where like, we'd love to sign you, but you're going to have to conform to this style or you have to do this. You know, the next time you release a single, it's going to be a top 40 hit and you've all got to be wearing the same suit. I think it's like, it's hard. My experience with like people uh, far and wide from the industry, like, you know, and I, and I don't want to be disparaging by any degree because I'm not a bitter person. Like I think everybody, everybody's trying their best, but 
you know, when you're not a creative, it's, it's quite, um, it, it conceptualizing like a new sound or a new project is like, it's quite hard, you know, like it's, um, often people from the industry will look to things that are already kicking goals or already winning. And that that's their sort of like reference. And then they go, Oh, it's like that. I get it now. You know mm. what I mean? And so until it's a thing, it's hard to make people understand, you know? And so that's, I think that's the space where an artist needs to really trust the gut because at the end of the day, you know, you're the only one that needs to get it. You just need to follow that your gut all the way through the process. Cause there'll be a million naysayers, a million people who will pull you in different directions. But if you can stay true to that gut feeling, people will eventually get it. And it's, you know, I, I just, I always picture the concept of like David Bowie picture, like, you know, pitching Ziggy Stardust in a, in a meeting, you know, on a zoom call. Can and you it's imagine like, that? Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. So I just, uh, these things have to be conceptualized a lot of the time by one person and then just carried through and there has to be a level of trust. So that's like kind of my two cents on it. I don't know. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm still, still thinking about that. That's, it is crazy to me because like it, when you said like there are people who like, it, it's confusing if you don't have a certain style, like I'm, confusing is the wrong word. It's different. As you said, it's eclectic. Like say a band like the 1975, I remember Maddie told me once, we've been spending the last 15 years trying to be an emo band. Like it took them that long to get to where they really wanted to be because they had to go through the motions. But the 1975, similar to like with your songwriting, they're a band that could churn out a pop song, a rock song. Um, People is like a borderline metal song. Like for sure, if you can do it and do it well, I hate when people think like, no, 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 you're this band. You need to stay that way. If you can change it up and you do it well and people like it, then what's the fucking problem? Yeah. And, and, you know, it wasn't something that um, I was totally aware of. I think we were kind of existing in maybe like a little um, cute grassroots bubble, you know, maybe back with some past albums where everyone just pats you on the back and you're sort of living in that consistent sound. But as soon as you start to step foot outside of that stuff or you try new things, it's it's we'd never experienced the subtle pushback you get, you know, and like a few comments here and there. And it was like, it was a real uh, period of self growth. I think having to like uh, back yourself through that. And um, it's funny, those old albums never go anywhere. You know, they don't get, they don't get deleted and yet people want you to recreate them. And it's just a funny, just a funny, uh, it's a funny process how, some people can feel so attached, you know, some, someone in the same breath can be like this song you wrote on this old album. It saved my life. It saved my fucking life. Like I listened to this song during the hardest period of my life and it saved my life. By the way, why the fuck have you released this new album? that sounds <laughs> like this. You have personally offended me. I yeah. fucking hate you. What has happened to this fucking band? And it's like, it's like a, I don't know. It's, it just seems so strange to me. I would never like all I can want for my favorite artists. And maybe this is because, because I'm an artist, like mm. I'm, I definitely have a stilted view of it, but like all I want for them is to be happy and feel invigorated and excited by their own music. I don't give mm. a fuck if I like it or not. It's like, you've given me so much like 
my favorite artists have given me so much in this life. So like, all I want for you is to be happy and to keep making music. Yeah. If I like it or not, I don't give a fuck. Just be happy. Follow follow your nose. You know. And it's like it's funny how you, that's not um exactly how it pans out a lot of the time. Not for fans. No, I mean, like as a music fan, there are certain bands who I know who have ch- drastically changed their sound and it's not for me. That doesn't mean I have a personal vendetta against that band. It just means wherever yeah. they're going with their music, maybe it's not for me anymore. That's fine. And they come back, you know, like, you know, bands venture off. It's like sometimes that that little, you know, wandering off into the distance that you're not too pleased with is what's needed for them to come back with vigor, you know? Mm. And so people have to respect the long game with, with our artistry. I think it's uh anyway, but you know, these are things that you think too much about when you have all of this time sitting around writing songs. <laughs> do you, do you know where the band is going to be moving to? Because again, the, we're talking about Daisy chain. It's what seven, almost eight months old now. Like, and I know that you have been sitting on a lot of music. Are you already thinking about another album? I mean, you mentioned that secret project before. Do you anticipate you'll be releasing more new music within the next 12 months or is it kind of just getting back on the touring grind? Oh, absolutely. We just, yeah, there's, there's so much in the pipe. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, to, to stay sane, I need to be, having things coming out that are, are current. And so a big part of us, like maybe finding new label representation and stuff is just making sure that um, nothing stems the flow. You know, I think it's it's so important. I, I just speak and meet so many artists and it's the saddest thing when they feel bogged down by the, by the team around them because they want to get it right or they want to be popular and it's like that's not the condition of the artist is like you must share you must be validated you must yeah. you you must see what is inside you mirrored in the world you know whether it's successful or not and uh it's 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 the quickest way to get a flower to wilt you know it's just yeah. by stemming stemming that flow and so yeah i just and when you got to sit on things for for forever until they're they no longer represent you as an artist and you have to be excited about it and make it come out into the world mm. and you know and do all of the the palaver around a new release and if you're not excited about that like it's this it's a sad sorry <laughs> like situation so um yeah i want to keep i, I just want to keep it rolling like i'm i'm really uh inspired at the moment by a lot and I a Daisy Chain was that kind of like um I think it was that like box shattering like record for us in terms of just really just going we're a wild card, you know? And I mm. like that excites me because I'm like, we can do, you know, and, and people followed us into the dark. I th- and that was lovely and validating. And so now it's like I'm in this really nice space where I feel really supported by our, our fans, the band members, our team. And it's like, well, let's go, you know? Yeah. Are, are you yeah. also, and again, if we can cut this out, if you can't talk about it, are you officially done with your last label? Yeah. yeah that was our, our okay. last, our right. last release. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, we, we had new management Um uh, yeah it's 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 a bit of a it was a, it was a period of change and there was you know there's we we loved working with um 
uh, everyone in our old team as well. Like it wasn't, uh, it just, things had just run their course, I, I guess. And sure. um, we just needed, yeah, we've, we've had a, such a good run. Like, and, and you, you'd know with um, like our past releases, cause you're across it, but like we have, we've never stopped releasing music essentially. Mm. And so we're so grateful for having a, an agile team around us then to, to facilitate that because yeah, it's fucking sad when bands can't release their own music. It's an exciting spot to be in though. And, and I don't mean to make you scared or anything, but like, I feel like you guys now, especially with this last album and the reception to it, you are in that period where, if not already, you will be hitting mainstream very soon. So I feel oh, like the, those conversations you might be having with label heads, you know, where, where's our big radio song? And my advice, both as a critic and a fan, please don't fall for that because that's, no, when, just, that's yeah. when shit happens, right? Like, okay, cool. We need a radio song. Guess what? The radio song sounds nothing like your band, but that radio song is now the biggest song on the radio. That's, you know what I mean? It's just a shitty turn of events. But in saying that, you could write a fucking awesome song that also happens to be radio ready. Yeah. We're not, um, I'm just, I'm so hell bent on, on being excited by the music that we release it. Uh, and I think because we have like, as I said before about the bullshit meter of the others, you mm. know, I, I, it's like the other band members, it's like our, our, fuck, what would you call it? Like, a little symbiosis that we have when like I'm writing and throwing ideas around and like, we just have such a good, yeah, it's like, do you mean like the honesty policy? I have that with my writing partner. Like we were writing skits or whatever we were writing. Yeah, yeah. Honesty the policy, honesty policy like that. is that's shit. That's not funny. Whatever it may be, you it's an open room. It's not about shitting on you. It's just that's dumb. Move on. Yeah, and, and not having like a a big part of it because you know it's it's easy to find judgment and naysayers, but it's hard to find um, that when it is void of ego, you know. Mm. So it's like someone wants to give you their two cents because it's their two cents, and that that doesn't exist in our in our writing framework. Like it's That's called social it's media. Very, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. The uh, yeah, so like the the fellows will pitch in their two cents and it's always from like a really open space. It's like, you know, um I don't know. I, I honestly, yeah, that's that's a, that's my barometer. That's how I know stuff's that's how I know I'm like on the right track with stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I want to let you go because I want you to enjoy your Saturday. But before I do, <laughs> and I'm I'm plugging this, well, number one, you're touring with Stan Atlantic. Uh, throughout regional Australia in September and October. I'll make sure to yeah. have all the plugs on that. Um, but I do want to give that one last push for the I Miss You cover because it's in the Hottest 100. Like a version, I think voting closes July 10. This oh, no, that is, it's actually not eligible. Yeah, because it was the it was after the cutoff. They, oh, they, that's they, shit. It kind of, for, for Australia, it kind of works for us though because it's our only song that's in contention for the Hottest 100. So it kind of like, right, okay, kind of funnels voting for that song, which, has, which is cool because it'd be cool if I miss you made it into the. Has countdown. this been sent to Blink's team? Slash, can I help? I don't know, but yeah, kick it through. <laughs> I mean, like, we uh, yeah, it's it's been a joy to play. Like, it's every 
it's my it was my dream you know to, oh, are, you, are you playing it at the live shows as well we played it at oh, on amazing. the run yeah and it was like just wild to pretend you uh tom DeLong and mark <laughs> for a, you know three minutes just a hot of my minute. life yeah i mean like, they're the forefathers of my musical intuition i saw them play madison square garden like two weeks ago and it was like the best show of my life i just yeah they're just i could talk forever about fucking blink they were the most iconic like uh they were just unabashed with in injecting character into their music which is something that you know it's so rare it's so rare for people to have such an iconic sound like to build that it's like it it just spurred on like so many other bands like they're just they're a cornerstone of but like music. what we were saying before about bands who can do different things that's what's so exciting about you guys like blink were renowned for dick jokes and and quick fast pop punk songs <laughs> and then they come out with an adam song or a stay together for kids and it's like oh okay there's a bit of there's a bit of fucking there's deep here and then that Untitled album, which is just a whole other beast, they're the ones that cut the mold, right? Like, I'm not going to shit on any other bands in that scene, but, like, there are bands that Blink were opening for back in the day. And those bands that they opened for are still doing what they're doing. And no disrespect, love them, but they just didn't change their sound. They didn't change direction. They didn't evolve. If you don't evolve, you that fan who comes up to you and says, where's that song I like, that one song you did 10 years ago? You'll always be that band. And and the history books kind of tell the truth because it's there would have been so much pushback when like self-titled came out. And it's like so much. And like everybody's like, oh, get Scott back in the band, you know, like you know, it, people would have they would have had to deal with so much shit. But looking back, it's like you completely changed an industry and a sound and you gave bread to an entire genre. Mm. It's like you were pioneers. And it's yeah. um that's all you can ever want. I think that sort of a legacy where you've um, pushed yourself and trusted your gut. It's like, that's the, that's the right move. I think looking back, because the, the safe option is always there. You know, like I know the template of past songs. I can always look to that I can, of our songs. You know, I can always look to our, I can always start to template what has worked and then work to that. That's, that's fucking easy, but it's like, I prefer the scary part of trying to like make a new template, but you know, you, you're going to lose some fans along the way, but the thinking is you'll gain 10 times more than totally. what you've, than what you've lost. And, um, and the real ones always stay, you know, because people who really love music, they love songs, you know, they love the, the, the art of songwriting. They don't, they don't love a genre or a sound or, you know, they love like, you know, a good song would just transcend any, um, you know, aesthetic, you know? Mm. And so uh, I think that you're writing songs for those people and, and, and the, and you have to have trust. I think I trust our audience now to follow us and I trust them that they're going to meet us in that space, wherever we land. And it's, yeah, it's a nice place it's a nice place to be. All I've, it's all I've wanted my whole life was to just um, have people that listen, you know, that listen. Yeah. When you make a move, people listen. You're not having to sort of flail around like you're drowning in a, a <laughs> fucking Bondi beach going, help, you know, I've got this song and no one's listening to it. Like yeah. all I've wanted is to just be able to make a move and then there'd be some ripples. And, and 
if it's yeah if it's at a 300 people at a venue or it's you know a few comments online sometimes that's enough but yeah it's good it's good well this is the cut i'm going to share on tiktok calling out mark tom and travis to see this <laughs> and i will be responsible wow. for you opening for blink so you're welcome hey i'd be uh yeah gosh i don't even know i don't even know i just yeah i don't know i'll uh i'll film my reaction if anything happens for you good well ben thank you so much for coming on man again i appreciate you taking the time on your weekend of all times um good luck with this upcoming tour dude and um yeah stay in touch let me know when you're in new york my absolute pleasure thanks for the chat i love chatting to you thanks man we'll talk soon see ya This episode is sponsored by Splendor in the Grass. To watch full episodes of The Plug Podcast, head over to the official YouTube page at theplug.podcast and hit the subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the video content. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at theplug.podcast for all episode announcers, teasers, and giveaways.